Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 223. What I learned was to be successful, work hard every day, give everything you do your all, treat the people around you well, ultimately it leads to your success. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Frank Paddock. Frank, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm strapped in and ready to go. All right, great. Frank Paddock is the executive director of the BMW Car Club of America. It's the largest single mark car club in the world. The club publishes a monthly magazine, Roundel, of which you've heard the editor, Sats Carlson, on this show, and a weekly e-publication, Roundel Weekly. They explore everything the BMW lifestyle offers, including high-performance driving events, car control clinics, autocrosses, concours, show and shines, social events, leadership development, and club racing. Their project Street Survival is a creation of the BMW Car Club of America Foundation and is the club's teen safe driving program. And I'm a longstanding and very proud member of the BMW Club. Frank, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course your passion for BMW automobiles? My history may be a little different and unique compared to some, but I uh, I came to the club via about a 20-year career working with other not-for-profit associations. I started off as general counsel for my social fraternity, went from there to a, a marketing organization, and from there to the second largest law-related organization in, in America, and finally realized one day that... Uh, this was getting to be a little bit uh, boring and needed a change. <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, the club was looking for somebody, and I was able to uh, reignite uh, a passion for cars by uh, by taking this, this job. And uh, I have to say, it's been a wonderful experience, fantastic people uh, here in the club, and we get to drive some of the best cars in the world. So I'm having a lot of fun. We had a little chat before we started the show here, and I love the fact that Frank came from a life as an attorney and working in something completely outside of automobiles, but 
he knew that passion was burning deep inside, and he made that jump. And that's so much of what Carnegie is all about, is inspiring others that, you know what, if Frank can do it, you can do it too. It's a possibility. And I think what we're going to learn a little bit more about Frank today, that that's absolutely true. As we continue on our journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. And this is something that perhaps has been instrumental in forming your life. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. I know you love to drive, Frank, so take the wheel. (laughs) Well, thanks. My father was a custom home builder for 42 years, and watching him and listening to him, what I learned was to be successful, work hard every day. Give everything you do your all, treat the people around you well. Ultimately, it leads to your success. Oh, absolutely. I think that's a, a key. And can you maybe give me a, an idea of how you've incorporated that concept that your father taught you into your daily life there at BMW? <laughs> well, most of my friends don't think I work at all. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, now I, I get to drive cars and travel to interesting places and be at a, driving events all over the country. But it's it's a lot of effort, a lot of a lot of time spent trying to do things the right way mm-hmm. and get things done for our members. They are the reason that we exist, and our job first and foremost is to make sure that they're having fun. So if it sometimes involves a little bit of work and extra effort on our part, we're happy to do it. With so many members of the club, you you've got a huge club, the biggest one in the world. Maybe, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but touch on it briefly here of treating others well. What's a a good example you might share of how do you deal with, and that's probably the wrong way to say it, but that many people keeping that many people happy? (laughs) Well, I wish I could tell you that I've I've managed to keep everybody happy, but uh, that, that would be a lie. But at the end of the day, we try to put together the best events we can. We make sure that they get the best uh, car club magazine that anybody can put out. It's not just informative, but it's fun to read, and it's one way for our members across the country to feel in touch with each other. When they write this letter to Satch, they feel like he's in the room where they're with them. So that's a big part of what we do and how we make those personal connections. Uh, but I, I generally uh, respond to about 200 emails or so a day, sometimes into the evening. But I like doing that because I'm communicating uh, with our members. We all sort of have moved away from the phone, and that's uh, somewhat disappointing probably. But for me, the best part of the job is actually being out at events with our members, supporting them, watching them, participating with them. I get, I think, about 40 car magazines a month now. You can tell when you look at my bedside stand, the giant stacks there, my wife rolls her eyes. And I will say I love your publication, Roundell. I love getting it. The new changes you just made to the graphics uh, I think are really stunning and stellar, and it was a, a nice improvement and a new facelift, if you will. But I've been involved with car clubs my whole life, and I will say, in my opinion, I'm a member of many car clubs the passion behind the BMW car clubs, I think, and I might upset some of my other friends, but exceeds all others. It, it is really passionate, and this group of people are, are really into their cars. They drive their cars no matter what. They do all sorts of things with their cars. So uh, you guys are doing a great job supporting us enthusiasts for sure. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? I'd love to hear about that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. 
Well, I, for me, I, my love of the car and sort of getting what it, what it means and can mean to a, to a car guy or a car gal really started with my dad. I probably know almost as much as much about his favorite car as he did uh, <laughs> he, when he was, I guess, around 18 or so. Uh, he bought a 57 Olds Rocket 88. Uh, the J2 option, which, if you know, it's a, oh, yeah. essentially three two-barrel carburetors. That, yep. uh, you kick in the outer four carbs to raise the horsepower to an even 300 over the standard uh, 277. And he loved that car and everything it meant to him. And I think that's kind of where it started for me, where I got it, you know, because I could see the light in his eyes when he talked about that car. And if there was ever a car somebody regretted selling, that's the one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that question in a little bit for you, but uh, I hear that from many guests. It starts with their fathers or stories their fathers had, or uh, and it was the same for me, a car my father bought when I was very, very young, an MGTC. It's great when you can share the passion with a family member. What I'd love to do now, Frank, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. The most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation. And even more important, what did you learn from it? Uh, well, you know, Mark, when I, when I came to the club, it was February of 2008. And uh, if you recall, oh, gosh. There, there were a couple of things wrong with the economy that year. Yeah, just a few. And there were plenty of uh, car companies that were struggling and a few that uh, we've said farewell to. So uh, I, as I said in my office uh, on, on many a day, I, I sort of wondered if uh, this whole uh, working your passion thing was going to actually work out for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we got through the hard times. Uh, they might not have been as scary for us as uh, they probably were some others, but, you know, we struggled to maintain our market share. Mm-hmm. We really managed to get through it by coming in here every day, doing what we needed to do to support our members, taking the calls, answering their emails, putting together programs that we thought and hoped that they were going to enjoy based upon their feedback to us. We increased the value that we were providing to our members uh, from from that point. You know, That was my first year here at the club. We worked on increasing new member benefits, uh, strengthening our programs, developing a new database, new websites, finally putting together the Roundell Weekly, the revisions to Roundell, and really coming, developing in partnership with our chapters a, a system of events that were going to go on at regular, time, regular schedules throughout the course of a year and moving forward. So the folks knew where and when to look for these things. And most of all, making sure that the thing that all CCA members probably love most, uh, their driving events, that they continued to be able to do them, they were safe, and they were fun. Heard that from many guests, such a challenging time for so many businesses and especially the automotive industry. And I would assume with membership annual dues, you probably saw some drop off there. Hopefully all those have come back and then some, but um, very difficult times. Perseverance, tenacity plays into that role to, to survive those economic woes. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share an aha moment in your career. It's one of those times when you realize that an idea or a concept that you had or a movie you're going to make really made some sense. And tell me the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Um, you know, 
<laughs> I thought about that one, and I don't know that I've had so much an aha business business moment, other than you know to say that focusing on quality, focus on the members, providing the things that they want, doing what they ask you to do, it generates its own form of um, success and happiness within the club and in the business environment. It's really sort of how we bounced back from the tough times. We went back back to the old will and focused first on the members, then on quality, and making sure that we were delivering what they wanted in the best format possible. From the standpoint of better merchandise, you know, we took a $20,000 a year program to six figures, and we took a, a raffle that generated gross in a good year, maybe 200000 to over 500000 So you know, wow. we're doing the things that our members like, and that's bringing success to us. Can you touch a little bit on that aha moment you had when you decided to move from law to go work at the club? I would assume that was a probably a pretty big, bold, hairy step for you. Actually not. Um, you know, and I like to tell all my friends I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I was doing after my first couple of years out of law school really turned more to the, the administrative side. I, I, I kept the connection by working for the law-related organization. Mm-hmm. But coming here really was not a hard choice. The club in many ways is so very similar to other organizations I've worked with or incentive community, but it really seems to intensify that if perhaps for the best reason, and I will compliment BMW for this, the fact that they build sports sedans because everyone in the family can participate in CCA. Right. We do have two-seated cars, but they're, they're the minority. Mm-hmm. And when we come around to our events, it's a family affair, and I think that's what makes the club so special and why it was such an easy transition for me, to be honest with you. Oh, awesome. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that really stands out? Uh, I like challenges, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> each of my, my positions, I've uh, sort of taken on something that others didn't really want to do. I started out managing a $26 million liability portfolio insuring uh, fraternity boys, fraternity men. I'm oh, sorry. Gosh. <laughs> my, my brothers w- would uh, <laughs> frown on me for saying that. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, in four years' time, I, I was able to take uh, the outstanding liabilities from, I don't know, we'll say a couple hundred thousand dollars because they probably wouldn't want me to tell you that number, uh, down to less than 40000 mm. uh, We closed a lot of case files. You know, from there, I went to... Uh, another organization where my predecessor had uh, had essentially fired the staff before I got there. So I started over. Oh, goodness. Uh, my, my next move was to an organization 100-plus years old that decided to relocate from the West Coast to the East Coast and uh, started over again from there. Uh, but for me, really, what I'm proudest of in, in my business career is really – what I hope anyway that I've done is been able to build relationships, not just with the people who vend to or supply to the club, but the people I work with every day, our staff, our board, our volunteers, really and truly 
they're my family and friends, and I'm very fortunate to work alongside them every day. And for me, it's not really work, but if you have to call it work, it's ne- it'll never be dull or chore if you can do it surrounded by people that you respect and whose company you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was uh, another automotive enthusiast, Henry Ford, that said, uh, if you work in the field you're passionate about, you'll never have to work a day in your life. So there's something related to that, but I think there's some truth. But there is some, there are some challenges, and I thank you for sharing those with me. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory with us that you had with that car. Well, you know, I, I, I think I have to be careful how I, how I answer this question because <laughs> the, uh, the final question on my interview with the club was, so, what kind of car are you driving right now? <laughs> oh, well, well, see, that's why I say your first car, because this is this could be probably was pre-BMW. So, you know, it's kind of like when you're dating and you get married. What you did before doesn't really count. <laughs> well, Maybe it I'll doesn't. tell you what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it safe here. And, it, and it's actually, I think this, this is an honest answer. Mm-hmm. My, my first BMW when I came to the club, uh, I, I got into a, a 645. Ooh. CI and I loved that car and it meant a lot to me. Um, Dan Tackett, who is probably one of the uh, funniest guys I know and is just an incredible club member, found that car for me. <laughs> he, he he displayed an incredible amount of patience for a uh, for a guy who uh, was just chomping at the bit to get a hold of uh, his first six series and, and was bugging him on a daily basis uh, but that car probably caused me to have uh, some of the best road trips around and the first one is one of the greatest uh, coming from San Diego back to Greenville South Carolina Alpine White 6 Series without plates because I bought it in California coming back to South Carolina and smoked windows and Aremis exhaust I was stopped four times by the border patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought you were and, probably transporting something. Uh they did indeed and uh my my best part of the trip or the funniest part I uh, I was uh I received one uh, a proposition from a a, a lady uh who Oh. <laughs> somewhat down on her luck outside the uh, the Best Western Garden Oasis Motel in Odessa, Texas. Oh gosh. <laughs> I kept thinking, why is this lady so adamant that she wanted my attention and then it finally hit me she doesn't care a thing about you it's the car the you're driving car. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that bmw <laughs> just like the border absolutely. patrol guys they thought they they tagged you oh we got a live one here <laughs> absolutely <laughs> sounds like a fun trip absolutely great i loved my first bmw which was an e36 m3 and i've had many m3 since and uh fantastic cars is there a vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you could have back in the garage Kind of like your dad's story with that old. <laughs> I haven't yet. Um, I'm still waiting for that car. Oh, I, I haven't okay. found it yet. Um, to date, uh, I've sort of been the guy that when it's time for another one, it's time for another one. And I, I haven't had any regrets. And uh, maybe that's just because I haven't had the right cars yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm working on it. And uh, hopefully uh, next time we talk, I can tell you there, there's one in there that I do regret selling. You know, one of my guests who we both know, Satch Carlson, of course, is a part of the club and the Roundell editor, publisher. He he said I should ask this question differently. He should say, how about if I had bought it remorse? 
you know, oh, the, the car that you wish, the car you wish you'd bought that you didn't buy, and then you look back and go, what was I thinking? Maybe we'll try that with you here. Is there a car that you had an opportunity to buy that you didn't, that you really wish you, you had? I hope Satch is smiling right now. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He he loves to see me put uh, on the stump. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know yet. I, I, I don't have an, I don't have a good answer for that one. I, 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 yeah, maybe I do actually. I, I, I had an opportunity to buy an E46 uh, ZHP package, uh, manual transmission, and I, I, I let that one slip through my fingers, and that was probably a, a, a dumb move. Yeah. Actually, that was a dumb move, but <laughs> we live and we learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I like that. You know, I think, uh, Satch, we used your question, so uh, it maybe we'll make that a regular question here on Cars. Yeah, I kind of like that one. That's interesting. There you go. That is a good one. That gets you thinking. Well, it's almost as sad as Seller's Remorse, so, you know, <laughs> some people don't like to relive the past, that's for sure. And, and did Satch tell you what car he regretted not buying? Um, you know, I have to go back. I don't think we got into that. He, he suggested that afterwards. Um, it was more about uh, the Z8 that he just got, so, you know... Um, <laughs> There's no regret in a Z8. That's no, for sure. no. I've had the luxury of driving one of those. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful car. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on right now there at the club that really has you excited and fired up? You know, this is our, our time of the year to work on events. And for me, I'm excited right now because we start off May with our first vintage event up in North Carolina. And that event is it's just great because you get to see about 300 or so of of the cars that got the club started driven by and in many many cases some of the original owners and even nicer so sons daughters grandsons granddaughters of of those original owners so mm-hmm. that that's great for us a lot of fun we'll be there um in in may and then we've got in june we've got our first ever uh hosted event that the Biltmore has done with a car organization that wasn't just specifically uh, a private event for them. We call it uh, the Classics at Biltmore. It'll be a a two-day event, and we're really looking forward to that. We do the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix every year, and I don't know if you've been there or not, but it is an extraordinary event. Uh, I think Jalopnik just rated it number three on their top ten list of car events you've probably never heard of. Nice. this event is will draw about 200,000 or so enthusiasts into, into a Shenley Park and the surrounding events go on all week long, but it's probably the only place, I actually I believe it is the only place in the country you'll actually see real vintage road racing on city streets with 200-year-old oak trees and stone walls right there waiting Ooh. to uh-huh. grab somebody at every corner. Uh, it's just a fantastic event, and after that, we head off to Monterey for our what we call it the Monterey Weekend. It's uh, the Legends of the Autobahn on Friday of oh, Auto yeah. Week, and we follow that up uh, by hosting a two-day corral at Laguna Seca to watch the races. And after that, we we uh, come home for a couple of days, and we're off to uh, New Jersey for OFest this year. Fantastic! We've got four days at New Jersey Motorsports Park, and a lot of great. Yeah, social events and other driving events. Club race will be there. Street survival. Just about everything we do all in one place. Sounds like an exciting and fun year for sure. That's great. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? 
<laughs> I love this question. I actually had to think about that. Not, I didn't think too long about this. Right now, anyway, if I if I was picking a current car, I would like to be. I'd like to think I qualify to be the uh, BMW 650 Grand Coupe. Ooh. I love the, I love the styling. I think it handles superbly. I think BMW has actually done this car better than anyone in this particular segment. Mm. Uh, it, it's just spectacular. Now, that's what I'd like to think about myself. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Satch may have actually uh, summed this up a little better. He described it uh, as your favorite uncle who uh, seemed to appear at all the uh, right occasions uh, as only Satch could say, splendidly attired and with a good story to tell. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's why I like that question. It's a fun one for sure. And I always am a little bit uh, surprised by the answers that people share with me. So great. Frank, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars yeah listeners. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at CarpeGear.com, where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kid's book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the Little Red Racing Car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Diem brand, where you can find his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Diem at CarpeGear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E, Gear.com. All right, Frank, we're back, and we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure, absolutely. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? (laughs) Well, keep in mind, I work for tens of thousands of car experts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Boiling down one piece of advice, that's going to be a tough one. I know. uh, You know, (laughs) maybe somebody pointed out to me once, no matter how much you love it, it's still a car. The people inside it are more important. Yep, it is about the people for sure. Uh, the cars are great, but cars have a way to bring people together. Absolutely. Form bonds and friendships and relationships, so I agree with that. I think for anybody, particularly of our generation, you know, having a car was all about your freedom and being able to go out and create those great experiences with your friends, with your family. And I, I hear and read things about the current generation and cars aren't as important to them and it's they don't necessarily want them or find that they need them as much and that's probably one one generational aspect I might never get because I just just can't imagine not wanting or not having a car or several <laughs> I agree with you I had lunch with one of my uh, past guests Alex Raphael from Max RPM and we had that same conversation at lunch yesterday about some generations behind uh, our generations and how that is changing. So, yeah, I have a hard time understanding it myself, for sure. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I think whatever you're doing, whether it's in life or in business, you need to take the time to build personal relationships with people. Yep, It's really important, and it makes everything so much more enjoyable. Absolutely. 
Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoy? I know there are so many out there with websites and so forth, but one in particular you think that the Car Show listeners should pay attention to? Well, <laughs> well this may be shameless, but I, I've got to plug Roundell here. And, sure. And you, and you can't get Roundell online. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll show you the cars you want. We'll tell you how to maintain, maintain the ones that you have. We'll even uh, give you a way to buy the cars you want. Most of all, we're going to entertain you. How about a book? Is there one in particular you think our listeners should open and read? You know, for me, a personal favorite is Huckleberry Finn. (laughs) It's a timeless classic. There's a lot of humor there, a lot of history, a lot of life lessons. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the first time somebody's recommended that book, and I'm kind of surprised because it is such a classic. But uh, that's great. I love it. I'll remind our listeners you can find links to all these great resources at carsyeah.com slash Frank Paddock. Frank's last name is spelled P-A-T-E-K. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars, Frank? You know, I'm lucky that uh, probably my my favorite pastime is is traveling, and uh, I get to do that with mo- mostly with my family and friends uh, at the great events that we host. So oh, yes. I, I can combine cars and travel, and that's a, that's a win-win for me. Very fortunate. It sounds like great fun. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a real doozy for some people. If you could have only one collector car, not your daily driver or track car, but one collector car in your garage, and money's no object, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today, what would that one <laughs> vehicle be and why? Ah, well, this one's easy for me. It's going to be a white 1932 Packard dual-call Phaeton. Ooh, what is it about that Packard that <laughs> rings your bell? You know, as a kid, I read a book, and I wish I could tell you the title of that book. I was actually uh, trying to find it uh, a little while ago, and I wasn't able to, but it's a story about a group of high school kids who come upon their own very the very own barn find of this Packard. They haul it out of the out of the dust and the dirt, restore it, and uh, enter themselves in their very first rally against another uh, rival group uh, of kids from the same school driving a Mustang. And uh, that really just piqued my interest and my fancy in both the car and rallying. I, I, it's a lot of fun all around. <laughs> cool, cool. That sounds great. You know. I had a guest on the show who just was uh, up recently, Billy Hammond, who talked about that's how Mario Andretti started his racing career, was pulling an old car. Yeah, an old car out of a barn. He and his brother, they fixed it up. They flipped a coin who got to race at the first race, (laughs) and they did this all behind their parents' back in a a neighbor's garage. So, uh, yeah, you never know what pulling a car out of a barn might lead to. (laughs) Fantastic. Frank, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. It's been great fun. If you could give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 1932 Packard Dual Cal Phaeton, what would it be? Just work hard, do what you know is the right thing, and be good to the people around you. Absolutely. Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the BMW Club? Uh, you can find us online at bmwcca.org. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as BMWCCA. Uh, you can find us through Roundell or one of our 60, I'm sorry, 67 chapters around the country. Absolutely. And I'll encourage our guests, uh, 
If you love BMWs, even if you don't own a BMW yet, join the club. Uh, Be a part of it. You'll find this group of people are so passionate, and there's so many great events you can attend. And again, even if you don't have a BMW yet, you can still go. You can learn. You can talk to people. Find out which car might be right for you. Uh, It's a really great organization to be a part of. And as I said at the beginning, I've been a proud member for many, many years and, and will continue to be so. Listeners, you can find everything we've talked about again here at CarsYad.com. Just put Frank in the search box. His show notes page with all these links will pop right up. Thank you, Frank, for being so generous with your time and expertise and, and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.